Hello and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. My name is James, your host. I started this podcast to help other folks share their own healing stories and to interview thought leaders and experts in the carnivore, keto, and low oxalate space. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to Equip Foods and the Carnivore Bar. As an affiliate, you can use the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products when you check out using the code Carnivorous. Thanks in advance for listening, subscribing, and any likes or shares. And now, on with the podcast. Yeah, Danny, what, what I'd like to do with you is sort of talk about your journey into the carnivore and keto space to start, you know, a little bit of background on you. And then I'd like to talk yeah. about all things Fat Fueled Family, your book, um, your podcast. Um, you know, obviously you include yeah. Maura, your wife, your lovely wife. Um, and then sort of talk at the end about, yeah. you know, Danny Vega outside of the carnivore and keto space, um, stoicism <laughs> and some fun shared interests. Music and all kinds of fun stuff. So if that's agreeable with you, man, I'd like to dive right in. Um, I know from listening to you in the past, Danny, you kind of got into keto after playing football and an injury hit you in 2016. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So I, um, like you said, I played college football. I was in strength and conditioning. I was always into trying to find, like, what's the best way I can get an edge, whether it be training, diet. And I was all about it, whatever it took. And um and I was already like doing like low carb stuff all the way back in 20, 2003. Um, we started paleo uh, in 2012. And then when I got into powerlifting, I kind of threw everything out the window. <laughs> and I was just like, get as big as possible and just like throw caution to the wind and start, you know, doing things, eating things that I hadn't eaten in forever. And it was probably had something to do with the injury. Like I, I basically um, tore my meniscus all the way back in 2015. I know exactly when it happened. I was getting ready for a meet. Um, I still ended up deadlifting 700 in that meet. Um, but it really got bad in early 2016 when I was prepping for a meet in March and I had to pull out because I got an MRI and I had all this, these injuries, like I had, you know, chondromalacia and like, you know, torn meniscus. And so I started by doing going just on a on a bodybuilding type diet i had a buddy who was a powerlifter friend of mine who was also uh, a bodybuilder um and he put me on the diet and i got shredded and but i had i, I developed some really bad like issues with food because you know we were just the fat was so low and it took a lot of willpower and <clears throat> at the end it was like memorial day weekend of 2016 was kind of like the breaking point because we we just like we cheated all weekend and we felt physically disgusting at the end of the weekend and during that last couple of months my friend trevor was telling me at the gym like you got to try this keto diet he was in grad school doing work with uh ryan lowry and and um what's jacob's last name um jacob wilson uh dr jacob wilson and dr ryan lowry and he was like, you got to try this. Like, it's going to help with the inflammation. And I was like, dude, that's, you're insane. What are you talking about? I'm not going to take carbs all the way, you know. Even when I was paleo, I still I had like 100 carbs or something like that a day. So um, I ended up finally just saying, you know what? I, I'm shredded already. Like, I, I don't, this is a quality of life thing. Let me just try it out. And so my carbs were already pretty low. So I had to lower them a little bit more, but I really increased my fat. And within a week, I was just like, 
I felt amazing. You know, like I, I felt like my joints were better. I felt just younger. I felt more energy, felt more endurance. And so I was like, you know what? This is awesome. Send me everything you have on this. And he sent me like 41 papers, like 41 published papers. And I devoured them. And then I started looking for books and I read, um, I read Keto Clarity. I read the one that I really loved for that whole first year and a half was The Art and Science of Low-Carb Performance by Finian Bolick. And, um, and then it just, you know, kind of like what I always do is if I, I really get into something, I get obsessed. I want to meet people who do it. And I just started reaching out to people. I reached out to Brian Williamson and um, he was, you know, he had Keto Evangelist. And I said, hey, if you ever want to do like an episode with like an athlete, uh, you know, here's my, my background. Uh, just let me know. And he's like, well, I'm actually doing an athlete podcast that I'm starting. It's going to be called The Ketogenic Athlete. Um, you'll be my second person that I interview. I'm like, okay. So we, um, he interviewed me. We hit it off so well that he's like, dude, you need to be my co-host. And that's where we started The Ketogenic Athlete. So I was ketogenic for that whole first year. It was amazing. And then um, about July of 2017, really, really early on with like the whole carnivore thing, I was, who, someone, oh, it was Amber O'Hearn that I, I heard her on, Brian had her on his podcast, and I was like, this is amazing. And then my wife and I went to Puerto Rico for like a weekend trip, and um, I said, you know what, let's just, let's just do it this weekend. I know it's going to be like probably like fast food and, and eating out, but let's just eat meat. And she was having issues at the time because she was like eating salads, and she would wake up in the middle of the night to vomit and stuff. And so um, after those three days... It was amazing. And uh, so I started in August of 2017. And my whole first month, Brian and I, we did this thing we called it, we called it August Surf and Turf, where we just did this experiment where all we ate was anything like salmon and any type of beef, you know, like whether it's organs, beef in general, ground beef. And I felt amazing. And, um, and then I just, then we had someone's like, oh, you should see this guy, Sean Baker. He's like, you know, he's, he's this doctor guy, and, and he wasn't even, nobody really knew him back then. And we had him on, and then we hit it off. And so, like, that whole 2017 to 2018, like, midway through 2018, about summer, I was strict carnivore. And then throughout the years, for the last four or five years, I've always had, most of the time, the first couple of months of the year, I'm pretty strict. Um, then I, I do experiments in the summer i do bring in some carbs for training and things but overall man like it is just like number one it makes it simple uh number two my favorite food has always been meat even when i was a carb guy like i, I my favorite food was barbecue the difference is just back then i was dousing it with barbecue sauce and now you know it's just dry rubs and and you know seasoning so like i for me i i love meat it's never been a, a hard sell but what I love is that with my wife, you know, it's really good because it's the women are going to look at me and they'll be like, of course he eats meat. He's a meathead. You know, that's what he does. Um, for, the, for those folks that have joined that yeah. don't know my background, I, I came from a vegetarian for decades and then vegan, vegan for six years, Danny, and my health went off a cliff. We'll discuss a little bit later how your view is, you know, carnivore is almost a reset, uh, especially for, for the gut microbiota, yeah. your you know, inflammation, insulin levels and all those type of things. Um, you know, we, unbeknownst to me, we kind of share a similar background in a number of facets besides our love for hip hop music, Danny, but you were in the medical device sales field for a while, right? Yeah, for eight years. I did anything in the female pelvis, everything from 
pelvic floor to incontinence, urethral bulking, sterilization, IUDs. I wanted to ask you, Danny, now that you know what you know and being in that field, I mean, for me, going back and looking at the dietary way um, we can heal people versus what has turned into this medical just circus wheel of things going around and around. It, it just must be an illuminating thing for you. And especially as we discuss how you ended up having to leave your job because of what happened to your son. Uh, yeah, just talk to me a little bit about that and what happened yeah. transpired. Yeah, so first, the first question about like, I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was early on when I, when I got out of strength and conditioning, the first thing I did was pharma. And I did that for about three and a half years. And then I got into medical device for another eight years. And um, I was at a national meeting and they had a guest speaker come on and the title was like in increasing access. And if you're coming from the medical insurance world, then you know what increasing access means. Because like when you say, you know, increasing access to healthcare, someone is, might be looking at that and thinking, wow, this, these people are going to make it easier for people to get healthy. But increasing access to healthcare just means how are we going to get more insurance companies to pay for uh, these drugs. And so luckily we all had our iPads and they had this way that you can um, anonymously submit questions. And even back then, this was back in 2010, 2011, I just was like, why is nobody talking about diet and lifestyle? And I literally, I asked that. And, um, and I, I, I saw when they when they when I asked the question um, and the, the speaker, the guest speaker, I think he was like one of the big payers. He paid work for one of the big payers. And he said, well, people love to take their pills. And that's it. I will admit that. Yes, I will concede that. But at the same time, you know, you can't say that out one side of your mouth. And then on the other side, talk about how much you're investing in consumer marketing, direct to consumer marketing where you ask your doctor about this. And doctors nowadays, because of the way things have changed, a lot of because of the insurance landscape, like they have, they gotta do a lot more in a lot less time and they have to protect their business. And, um, and so your patient is your patient and you are the expert, but at the same time, your patient's also your customer. So if, even, even within the medical model, which is not even like getting into the lifestyle, even within the medical model, if you have a preference for, for a drug that you want to give the patient, but the patient comes in and asks you for another drug, a lot of doctors, unless it's like something completely that they're completely against, they're going to concede because they want to keep their patient happy. And God forbid they recommend something. And now the patient Gets, gets a side effect and why did you put me on this and like now I'm putting bad reviews they're they're you know a lot of the things the 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 happiness of the patient all those things get factored into their contracts so all those things so bottom line is yes they they do love to take pills but where's the education if we're focusing on educating them educating on um, you know this whole flawed model which is basically isolate a variable create a drug that changes that variable and have no um, regard for the whole system and how it works and how the system is created to heal itself and what are the, what are the downstream effects of, of changing something just because we've 
identified that as an issue, how does that affect other processes? So it's like, so that was the, the, the insurance side, you know, and, and, and versus that's, that was for me the biggest thing. Now, as far as like um, leaving what I did, you know, I just really had a heart for um, what I was doing. I always loved it. And I started to coach again. I started to get clients like in New Zealand and Czech Republic and India, you know, all over. I had them, you know, and, and I was like, wow, this is pretty possible that I can actually do this and quit my job. Now, granted, I don't make nearly as much as I used to make. Um, but, and, and I, and I got to be honest, what I did with Women's Health, um, with the exception of the IUD, which I was a huge advocate for, and now I'm not because, you know, it's plastic and there's a lot of things that you're just blind to it. As much as you, because I'm very, when it comes to this, I, I consider myself ethical and, you know, I, I would never be able to sell something that I didn't agree with. But even now, like, I look back and I'm like, it's just that, and I think that that's what happens with a lot of physicians, that they are, number one, trained a certain way. Uh, number two, they may not consciously be aware of the incentives that they have to perpetuate this medical approach, but they're there and, you know, it's continuing. And, you know, a lot of people are not focusing on root cause. They don't, the only ones that do that are the ones who are passionate and ones that we know, like Dr. Jamie Seaman, you know, you know, uh, Ken, Barry. um, what's Ken's last name? Did you uh, say Ken Barry? What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Ken Berry, um, uh, there's just, there's several, you know, Gabrielle Lyon, like a lot of these people that they have gotten an, an obsession with nutrition and lifestyle because they don't, they're not prepared for that. So, you know, my son was, was hit and run over in my neighborhood and that was a most traumatic experience I've had, you know, at that time. And thank God he's okay. And, you know, I, I basically took, I had two weeks left of vacation for the year. I took both of them because we were already homeschooling and my oldest was very active. He had a lot of pro like homeschooling. We don't stay home. They're always doing stuff. And so we didn't want him to have to, you know, deal with stay having to stay home. So I stayed home with Dean and that actually was amazing because I, that our relationship, what it is today, which is very special because he always wants to be with me and he always, you know, he just he wakes up. First thing he does is come to me or he'll scream right when he wakes up when he's still in bed. I got to go see him. And he's my buddy, you know, and and it was just it was amazing. I started to the next year, you know, all these things started to open up. I started to do more speaking. I started to do consulting with little small companies that and then influencer marketing and um, and just programs and, and all those things that that I wouldn't have been able to do if I if I kept going. So. It was a, an interesting way to, to trigger me to do that because I had already been thinking about it for over a year. One of the things for me with the carnivore diet, and I just wanted you to speak on it because I know you, you found it too, was when you went that last stage switch from keto to carnivore was the anxiety leaving. It was a miracle for me. I had such severe anxiety, and I know it happened a little bit for you and your wife too, yeah? Definitely my wife, yeah. Um, you know, keto, like, definitely helped. She had really bad postpartum depression. Uh, I take half of the blame for that because, you know, everything that we've done, we've kind of done it together. It's, uh, it's a blessing because, you know, I know a lot of people that when they want to make a lifestyle change, especially women, their, their husbands are just like, well, I'm going to keep eating the pasta. This is not for me. This is for you. This is your thing. 
and um and you know they have to support at the very least support your spouse in what they're doing but it does make it a little bit more difficult if they're not doing it with you and luckily whether it was diet changes or conspiracy theories or whatever it is that we're looking into we kind of like go down that road so we i was in the middle of powerlifting when um i got her pregnant with our second one with dean and um and then she you know we weren't eating the same we were eating more carbs and she was eating and she would say to me she'd be like this is not good like i I don't have enough fat, you know, like this is, I need more fat. My brain needs more fat. And obviously looking back now with her genetics, we, we saw that there was various reasons why, you know, plant-based in any form, it does not agree with her. But um, so she, and I didn't know because I didn't, wasn't prepared because we didn't have it with the first one, but she had, she started to get postpartum depression and she didn't, this is kind of a typical thing for her and for a lot of women, which is like they suffer in silence. And so by the time she admitted that there was an issue, it was like three months postpartum in, in 2014. Yeah, 2014. And then they put her on Zoloft and then, um, but she had already, the depression was already like gone, but she kind of got with keto. But with, with this, that was the, actually, no, no, she wasn't even keto. That, that was the whole thing. So she was on Zoloft and she kind of did this as another thing that we don't recommend is she weaned herself off by, by herself off the Zoloft and she did it. She thought she did it slow enough, but it wasn't. Um, but thank God for keto because keto helped with that. But she did still have the anxiety and like truly carnivore, when she, when she started carnivore, like the anxiety, that was the final thing. Um, I didn't really, I'm just, for sure, I would be more, more anxious if I if I ate carbs. I don't, maybe it's this psychological defense mechanism that I'm trying to improve because I've always thought to myself that I'm aloof, but I, I've realized over the years that I'm not aloof. I've just like pushed stuff down. But I know that I have a lot of genetic snips that make me much more um, susceptible to anxiety. But for me, a lot of the time they present physically versus like, you know, like that mental heaviness feel of feeling of impending doom. I don't really get that, but I definitely get shortness of breath, you know, um, maybe like a little tachycardia, like, and I'm just like, oh, this is normal, you know? So, but, you know, we know like for, for what you mentioned, like these, there's a lot of these plant chemicals, they're, they're gonna increase glutamate in the brain, which is the, the what you don't want versus GABA. Um, and, you know, in general, um, the brain runs better on ketones, you know, it just does. So, um, I mean, I just did, cause we got some new, um, group coaching clients and I'm, I always do like a 15 minute quick, uh, intro call. And then when they come on the next group coaching call, I always think of like different topics and we covered the brain and we went through a bunch of Dr. Nice. Georgia Eats stuff about why the brain, you know, why carnivore and definitely at the very least being aware of, especially with vegetables and seeds, what could be the, like the potential issues. Like that's always been my approach because a lot of these things, I don't have an issue. 
I don't think detoxing oxalates. I don't eat that many of them, but I was, I did get down with some peanut butter a lot, you know? Um, but like, so I tell people like, okay, if you're gonna just be aware, just kind of like when you get your genetics read, like just because you have these genes, it doesn't mean that they're gonna present because you, you know, epigenetics, good lifestyle, in the absence of like something traumatic or some crazy sickness or you know virus or something you 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 can you can like outlive basically those genes because you're you're doing the right thing but if something goes wrong you know oh crap that's there's that that is manifesting itself somehow because of my MTHFR and the same thing like if you're okay even though we say like me and her always say like the cornerstone of your diet has to be animal animal protein um but if you if you start to experience this well that could be lectins that could be oxalates that could definitely get stay away from gluten um i don't really know anybody in modern times mauda had a mrt food, food sensitivity panel and gluten was one of the red ones that like you know it's color coded and you know gluten has just in general we it has a few things anyways it has you know it has it's it's got it's um hormonally disruptive you know estrogen carcinogen like a lot of stuff and so um just be aware of them but like you said some everyone should at some point just try carnivore if you want like preferably like maybe in the fall like like you know maybe from like september to november just for like two months or maybe january to march and just try it, you know? I appreciate that um, as well, Danny, because, you know, we often talk about, especially us ex-vegans that find the carnivore way of eating. It's, it's very rare, if not ever happened before, that an ex-vegan goes carnivore and then goes back again. It just doesn't happen because, because once you find oh, yeah. this way of eating and you get the mental clarity and you get the physical benefits and you've come to a place of healing, which you didn't think was possible, it's, you don't want to go back, do you? It's just, it's unbelievable that carnivore yeah. zen they call it judy calls it doesn't she danny i wanted yeah. to talk very quickly uh, because we're talking about the mental benefits um, on ketones and the brains and the benefit to the brain from the ketones and your thoughts because i know you're a proponent of this i, I you know i've followed you for a long time of exogenous ketones and their benefit especially in neurogenitive diseases brain boosting benefits what, what have you found with that well first of all like i my whole my my whole first speech that I ever gave after doing keto was keto turned me into a superhuman. And that was at the first ever keto con in 2017. And I felt like I got, if I had to quantify it, an extra 15 to 20% of productivity. And that led to winning president's club at my company and making a bunch of money and going to Turks and Caicos and, you know, winning trips. And so just in general, um, ketones, uh, in the brain, like from your diet are awesome. You know, with children, it's, it might be harder, but even without people who, even with people who are following a ketogenic diet already or doing intermittent fasting, like it's still gonna have lots of benefits. Like over the years, I started to really learn more about ketones. So like when I first started researching it, I was like, okay, I get the concept, this is awesome. And then I didn't wanna mess with prove it I just hated their, their, you know, the way they marketed. And after like, I was in 2019, I was at, in Puerto Rico doing a speaking gig with Ryan Lowry. And he's like, man, what, why you gotta always hate on Prove It? You know, I'm like, I'm like, wow, this, this, and this. 
And he's like, well, first of all, let me tell you that, number one, um, they've helped fund a lot of my research. And I respect that because, you know, we need more of this stuff. And he's like, number two, that was the only formulation that had the the DBHB, you know, the, the, the usable form. The rest of the ketones, that any, any, any key, exogenous ketone that you see out there, if you look on the bottle or whatever the packaging is, you're going to see go BHB. That patent is really 50% of the, of the L BHB, which is really like might as well not count it. And if we're seeing that the research shows that like a typical 10 to 11 gram dose is what's bringing on the benefit and you're only getting like five to five and a half, you know, grams because the other, the rest of it, you're not absorbing it. That's, it's not worth it. So I, I, I did uh, prove it for a while and I loved it. I didn't promote it or anything. I just kind of got it. And uh, we had an auto ship and, and then um, I, I done, you know, the esters are amazing as well. Um, you know, started with, with ketone aid and Frank kind of started sending me stuff all the way back in 2018, 2019. And um, I will say that from a athletic standpoint, I don't, I don't use it for that. I'm obsessed with like brain performance and just being like lit up all the time, you know, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be, have a whole bunch of um, stimulants, you know, like I want, I want clarity and focus and just like, just infinite, you know, just, and um, so I've gone, I've gone as high as 90 grams with, with ketone esters. And I, you know, that's a little too high. Cause like you'll, you'll, you'll feel like you can write a book in two hours and then like, and then like in three hours, you'll just like become dumb. And I felt like that <laughs> drop off and I'm like, Oh, I, I can't think now. Um, and then, um, and then I tried the HVMN. That was a good one. And this year, this last year, um, Kinetic reached out to me right before um, Keto, um, what do you call it? Uh, KetoCon. And I was like, oh, another exogenous ketone. I'm like, okay, let me look at this. And then something jumped out at me when I clicked on their site and it was like this new um, patent. It had, you know, every patent has a nice little logo that they create for it. And I was like, what's this? And it was like, um, they basically created created a new um, patent that it has basically a little bit of ester and all DBHB. And it doesn't have that, that really. So when you have your typical ketone salts are going to be really high sodium, which is totally good. I mean, I would say half the time people feel better with exogenous ketones because they're not having enough salt. So you get that. And then a lot of the time, you know, for example, um, uh, Prove It has a lot of their, the charged ones. So you're getting caffeine too, which is kind of like cheating because it's just, you know, you're going to feel, caffeine is an awesome thing. You know, as long as you're not abusing yeah. it, it, it can be really helpful. Just like nicotine gum, like that could be, like if you know how to use it and don't just use it all the time, those are really good, you know, brain drugs, smart drugs. Um, and, but Kinetic so I, I tried it at KetoCon, freaking loved it, and they have a lot of good research. They're the only ones that are, um, they got some, some brain counsel that's like, that's, you know, that's vouching for them, and they have like really good research with their stuff. And I was just speaking with them this weekend, and they're doing some really interesting um, research right now around alcohol and alcohol um, 
uh, withdrawal stuff that I, I think is amazing. So I'm a huge fan of Kinetic, you know, um, you, you know, conflict of interest. I, uh, they sponsor me. They, I'm, I am not, I'll tell you it this way. I don't get paid when people buy Kinetic. My agreement with them was that they got to send me it every month. Like, and, and, you know, I get paid for, for like making content, but not, not like off of everything that I sell. I just want, give me, keep giving me the product, you know? So it, it, it really, like, if you look at neurodegenerative diseases, you know, um, Alzheimer's, all of those, they're all very related. And, you know, what is happening? Number one, there's like an energy crisis in the brain. So you have like insulin resistance in the brain. Number two, there's inflammation. Um, what else? Uh, inflammation, energy crisis excitatory like a lot of glutamate you know high, high glutamate and so if you're improving the metabolism for your brain and if you are you know decreasing inflammation that's amazing you know you could really and then you pair that with you know some other things like you bring in some lion's mane for for uh, neurogenesis and you know some other nootropics i'm always like rotating things in it was interesting to me. I, like you, want to get the most brain benefits after having so much brain fog literally for years. It was terrible on the vegan diet, and especially oh, yeah. the end stage there. I couldn't remember anything. I, I thought I was losing my mind. And now with the carnivore, last thing on the diet related before we move into the fat fuel family, the podcast and your book is another thing that I know that you're a big proponent of is organ meats. And our friends from Optimal Carnivore, Richard and the crew there, um, yep. You know, you got your organ meat burgers, yep. the recipe there, which I've made uh, and are delicious, by the way. Um, you, you, you often yes. talk about how carnivore was one level. Then you, when you went to nose to tail, it was another level. Um, just, just speak a little bit on that and the yeah. folks that are afraid of organ meats and you, you, what you find beneficial from them. I mean, like if you if you know, it's kind of like habit stacking when you um, when you that's another thing that I'm really grateful that my wife and I are always trying to kind of level up, you know, like we're always trying to, you know, improve upon that. And you'll start to see like, as your diet gets cleaner, as you do this longer, you will start to your, your lowest common denominator is going to keep increasing. So you used to you used to cheat with, you know, a, a, a gallon of ice cream and now you're cheating with diet Coke or something, you know, like it, it, it just, these things change, you know, um, same thing goes with like, you just want to continue to see like, how far can I take this? Like, where can I, in general, where can I add a little bit more pressure? Like, where can I increase the load a bit, a little bit to get a little bit better? And I was 2000, I think it was 2018 going into 2019. I really started to dig into it. And, you know, I, I did, I think. 2019 was, I think, the year that I did a lot of presentations on that, like, you know, just really getting the most out of your diet, not just, you know, how many carbs are you having, um, considering all these different things. So obviously with something like liver, you are covering your bases like across the board, you know, like in general, you're going to get good amount of animal fat with your carnivore diet. And so any type of um, vitamins that you're that you're getting extra ones, you're going to have really good absorption. So liver is really high in vitamin A, iron, B vitamins, things that you can't really get in other areas. And you don't even need a lot. Like you can eat literally just eat like an ounce a day. And you you would be more than an, an ounce a day is in fact is 
is double what you would probably even need over a week period. Uh, but if you know, if you want to like really fill those tanks up and, and you want to like be as good as you want to be. And so there's that. Then like I looked into like the whole glycine thing um, and how most people are, you know, they basically go hunting and when they go hunting, they, they end up catching uh, a two pound pack of ribeye because <laughs> they don't hunt. <laughs> I was going, I was <laughs> so, going, but that was good. So it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like people, you know, you go to the store and all you're getting is muscle meat, you know, like, and so I remember a study that I, that I don't remember who talked about it, who shared the study, but they're like, you know, they have these rats and they decreased their protein to 5% and it doubled their lifespan. So then everybody was like, get rid of protein, you live longer. Um, and then there was some more research done and they showed that if, as long as you, you can keep the protein the same, but make sure that you balance out glycine and methionine. You know, both of them are super important, but because we only eat muscle meat, we're, we're, we're really like stacking it with methionine, which like I said, it's important, but glycine is huge for um, the master uh, glutathione creation, like production. So where's glycine come from? bones you know bones and connective tissue like we don't do broths anymore we do i, I got a broth right now like you know I, we made a big old stew on friday it was chuck stew meat and venison all in there with my stock pots like huge and we still got meat today um but so people aren't getting and they're not getting the minerals you know like you, you get a lot more minerals so i started to look at it nose to tail how crazy is it that everything back in the day and it just flies in the face of all the things that I was taught and all the way through grad school with you know my science education like that we're supposed to believe that we're getting better when we are truly nowhere near the humans that we were back in the day we're dumber we're weaker we're less resilient and part of that was because our genes were better back then but why are our genes this way? Because of our lifestyles and we've things that we've done have caused permanent marks on our DNA that are making us just kind of devolve. And so, you know, traditional food preparation, um, even even if you weren't eating meat, like why does my grandma why did why did she always soak the black beans overnight and then throw out the water? Like got rid of that phytic acid. She didn't know why she did it. But like the same thing, people, they would, they would always eat the meat on the bone. They would use the bones. And so like, it's more respectful to the animal. You're getting the, the uh, marrow, you're, you're getting all the minerals, um, you know, things like liver, liver is just one that I absolutely love. Um, all of these things, if you look at the animal, and I always like, I think I said this in one of my presentations, like eat the rainbow, like you look the different colors, you know, like you got the livers, dark you know and then the kidneys a certain color and like all of these things have different compounds that on the whole are never bad for you you know like most and especially beef most people even when they do like food sensitivity tests and i would recommend the mrt because that one it, it actually tests for inflammatory compounds and instead of like some of these other ones like the igg which is really just kind of when 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 something hits usually it's something that you eat normally and you're like, oh crap, I eat that all the time. But it's really just your immune system kind of recognizing that it's there. 
But when you see that you're eating something and you're getting like an increase in this, this, and this, then you got to stop. And, and beef is never that. So eating nose to tail is really just getting more in line with nature and with kind of like this, this natural way of doing things, which is like, it's amazing. Like it's, it is a perfect system. It's perfectly designed. And we've carried that into now with, with like, you know, uh, circadian biology and, and stop fight. We, we have this modern way of doing things where we, we take the meat, we cut it and we want sirloin and we want rib. Like we don't, we don't just eat the whole animal anymore. We, we say, I want to lose weight. So we cut calories and we don't have any regard for even in modern things that we do that, that, that technically are good, but you're not paying attention to like the natural design. So like, for example, like intermittent fasting, Mother and I have been really beating that, that drum about mm -hmm. get your breakfast in, in the morning because, you know, leptin is lowest in the morning, cortisol is highest. And so if you are going to intermittent fast, don't do the 12 to eight, you know, do the, do the, you know, I would say, I guess, uh, maybe eight. I, I ate breakfast this morning. I had a pound of, uh, it was half 75, 25 patties, half 85, 15 patties. That was my breakfast, like at 7.30 this morning, you know, and, and then cut it off earlier. One, because you're in line with your circadian biology, so you're not fighting your body and you're not, you're trying to beat your body into submission and you're not going to win because your body doesn't care about how fat you are, your body just is like, I'm getting this signal or that signal, and that's all I know. It's all subconscious biology, you know? I really admire you because I watched your journey, and then I think it was Robert Sykes who introduced you to hunting, correct? So oh, yeah, I man. myself, and amazing. people will roll their eyes a little bit at that, from being a vegan and, you know, not wanting harm to come to the animals when I was a vegan, amongst other things, health and the environment and those things. But one of the things yeah. I want to do now is learn to hunt and, and take an animal on my own because I think the reverence that you have, you know, people often ask me now, do I have some cognitive dissonance now that I'm eating meat and do I think about the animal? I said, yeah, I do. I really give thanks for that animal when I, we have a prayer and I say thank you for the nutrition and healing you're providing me. But watching you and, and going on the hunts and everything really inspired me, man. Talk to you a little about how you felt on that first time and, when, and doing it now. Well, first of all, that hunt, that last one that we just went on uh, like three weeks ago or something, that was the highlight of my 2022. It really was. Like every time I'm out there, I didn't, I had gone, that was like my fifth time because we had gone a few times in the spring and um, and I wasn't able to go 2021. It was, I was super hectic. It was the first time I ever missed it. And, um, but the first time I went, you know, Robert and I are like brothers, and um, I wish I could see him more, to be honest, like, because he's really one of my favorite people in this world. Um, and he's like, come out to the farm, and, and we'll go hunting. And, um, you know, I always understood, and I also, like, I'm obsessed with animals, and that's the thing that people don't get. It's the same thing with, like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, a lot of the things that, you know, someone who's, like, lives in a city who's supposedly an environmentalist it's like how could you really ever know what it's like to take care of the actual environment and nature if you don't even live in it and your whole existence is contrary to it and so what i find is like farmers ranchers hunters they are the best environmentalists they are the best you know 
animal husbandry. They, 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 they know how to treat these animals. They know about the animals more than just like, and, and, you know, and they respect it. And like, when, when I did it, like you, if you ever talk with a hunter, like, and, and they take a shot and it's not a good shot, they feel terrible about it because they don't want the animal to suffer. And when I first hit that, that first buck, um, it was amazing. Like, first of all, there was a time there when on that exact hunt, on that exact, you know, afternoon where I had two animals lined up, one in front of the other. And I got buck fever. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of buck fever, uh, but it's like, you, buck fever is like when you, you get so excited, you, you just like, and, he, and I'm like, oh, I can't take the shot right now. I'm, I'm way too lit up. And so I, I, I could have gotten two because I would have, I had, a, a, <laughs> I had Robert's, uh, what was it, 300. So there was no way that I wasn't going to go right through both of them. But um, waited a little bit longer, took the shot, and it literally went straight down. And when I walked up to it to go get it, it literally had grass in its mouth. And it was chewing grass, and it was lights out. And I basically hit it right in the heart. And, you know, if you practice and you, um, you know, you just stay sharp and you can, you know, make sure that you're, you have good aim, you can, it's, it's not like the, if you look at nature is wild and nature is, you know, metal and all those like channels, you know, the alternative is getting your guts eaten alive while you're watching the animal do it to you. Like, like, would you rather just like lights out or literally suffering and having an animal eat your guts while you see it. Like it's literally, that's what's hap That's what happens. You know, it's not easy. It's not surgical at all. It's very barbaric the way animals, you know, the way prey animals get eaten, you know, and we can't stop that. And if we did, the world would end because the, these, there's a, it's a just like with health, there's a system. And, um, and so, for me, like I never had an issue. I, I, some a book that I highly recommend that will show you like the opposite of it and what, and again, why I, like so many people. It's like if we could have conversations that were not um, so like just like agenda driven and political and stuff. I think it would be a lot better. Uh, but a, a lot of our culture is so diseased that it's like past that. But for example, like there's a book by. Steve Steve Manella, highly recommend it. It's called American Buffalo in Search of a Lost Icon. And I'm going to tell you right now, that should have been our freaking animal for America. Well, maybe we don't deserve it because it's such an amazing animal that maybe we do deserve the eagle, which is like basically, a, a, it is a, a predator, but it's also a scavenger. And that's kind of like what we are here. <laughs> you know, we tend to be that. But, um, you know, the buffalo was in the millions, millions. Like there would be, you know, you would have a, a herd of buffalo, and this was as early as like, as as recent as like the 1600s, that they would have herds passing for days, like it would take them days. Like imagine you're in the prairie and you're just seeing buffaloes passing for days. And like the Blackfeet and, you know, the, the Blackfeet Indians would eat five to seven pounds of buffalo meat a day, a day. And, and you know, they had all these they would they would use the whole animal they would make furs like they would use like for keeping them warm like they they use the whole animal and then like you know settlers come in they start you know basically um 
what was it? The big thing with, with uh, Buffalo was, I guess, like the, the, either way, there was carcasses everywhere of Buffalo. And I, and I hate it because like, I think to myself, like I'm reading, I've read books about the genocides that have happened here with, you know, with the natives and Native Americans. And, and like, I, I hate to say it, but I get just as sad thinking about what's happened to the Buffalo as I do thinking about that because like in 1912 or something, right around like turn of the century, we were down to like 200 Buffalo when we had like the commemorative Buffalo nickel or whatever. Um, we we're down to 200 Buffalo in this country. And so there's like the best conservationists are hunters and they will always follow the rules. Like, like you'll never talk, I, I mean, I don't know of any, but like there may be, of course, there's, there's everywhere. There's probably people that are scummy, but like you, you, you see that there's, when you see that buck and you're like, especially if it's like your property somewhere that you go a lot, you're like, man, I got the shot, but I'm going to wait one more year because he's going to be huge next year, you know? And, and like, so like there's things like that where you can only know from going out there and it's, it really is like, you know, I, I, me as a Christian, I don't want to say spiritual in the wrong way because it's not, I don't, I don't worship the animals. I don't worship nature, but it is very spiritual. The feeling of like, you're here, here, I'm here. I'm grateful for what you're going to provide. And I, I also want to make sure that maybe you hit up a few does this year and get, get, get some more babies in there. And then I'll wait for you yeah, for next yeah. year because you're going to be huge, you know? And, you know, even, even like, I even, I never really had a stance one way or another, but like trophies, like, you know, not trophy hunting, not like, you know, go hunt a lion. Um, I don't agree with that even though like a lot of the time they're they're animals that are not they're like they're gonna have to put them down anyway so it's kind of like a good service but that's a whole different thing but like even just imagine you take the whole animal you eat all of the um all of the organs you 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 know you use all of it and and i don't see really a problem with having something up i i probably wouldn't do it but like even that I've, I'm just open to a lot of these things that like society tells us are, you know, for one reason or another, because of course people tell you to think this because this, and you know, the inclination is to just be like, yeah, you're right. But then it's like, well, what, what do they have to say about that? You know, I want to make sure we talk about your kid's book, unexplainable adventures, the power of influence, how that came to be. I know, you know, there was no books in the space on personal development for kids. Um, and you decided to come up with this book and I want people to support this book. Um, you said, you said something on an interview that really struck home with me in regards to mentoring and parenting your own son. It was like, you had to let him be a man at some point. And that handing over that saying, okay, son, you're a man. Now you can do this. It, it really struck yeah. me. And I mentioned it to my wife the other day and I thought it was really powerful, but talk to us about the book, how it came about, where can folks find it too? Yeah. So, um, unexplainableadventures.com. Um, at the time when we started writing it, none of Jocko's books have come out and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jocko Willink's, um, children's books, which those are definitely kids self-development mindset books. But when we started writing it, those weren't out and he's a lot more, uh, uh, productive than I've been because he's he's got he's written like four of them now and I got I got all of them, 
But at the time, the only thing, so my buddy Adrian, he called me up and, you know, he, he's a big, like, I think he studied literature undergrad and, and, um, um, or he, or maybe he, he really loved his creative writing class, whatever, either way he wanted to, and he had a younger brother, which he's kind of like, it's a big age difference. So, um, he's a very good role model for his younger brother. And, you know, he wanted him to, to read more and he didn't really see anything that like, he's like, what do I like to read? I like to read like, you know, personal development books, things like that mindset. And there was nothing. And so he, he, he called me a few times. Um, and he said, you know, first it was like, it was kind of like market research because he's a marketing guy. And, uh, and he was like, is there anything available? I'm like, well, I, there's a total twins books, but those are really just, um, you know, philosophy and economics and taking like those type of books and adapting them into like a, a storybook, like it's a series with a brother and sister. And, but no, not that there's really nothing. And, and so he's like, um, well, this is what I want to do. And I, I started to get really excited. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, do it for sure. Um, and then he called me the second time. He asked me a few more questions. He's like, wait a second, like really write, like really write that. He's like, you want to write this with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Like, heck yeah. And I was like, we got to start with like, how do win friends and influence you? And that is literally the, the one that he picked. Um, for me, I thought it was awesome. I, I just learned so much. It was right when I was um, going to get into sales, one of my mentors told me to read it. And I thought it was the perfect book for me to read because, and I probably need to read it again because like, I, you know, we, our tendency is to always focus on ourselves and, and always talk. And like, I do that a lot. And, and um, but like taking a genuine interest in other people, um, simple things like remembering their name, their birthdays, and um, and just learning how to solve conflict, you know, peacefully solve conflict, and and how to how to influence people without manipulating them. All these are things that I think we really lack, even adults nowadays, let alone kids. So we wrote the book and it was just such an amazing, the process of writing a book, I, I highly recommend it to anybody, even if you never publish it, just write a book, like, you know, write a book because it's awesome. Maybe not like a, like a, like a manual type of book that that's cool too, but like something like creative writing. And um, because I was able to bring in, you know, people that have just made a huge difference in my life, whether they were teachers, whether they were college teammates and, I'll never forget, I told one of the characters was based on a buddy of mine who he, he's, uh, he's, his mom is from Finland and his dad is from Ghana. And so like, he's like this light skinned black dude with, with like a really strong like German accent. And I, and I, I didn't give the character his, cause he's big and the character in the book is like tall guy, but bottom line. And then I had teachers that their name was this for a reason. Cause that was a big teacher for me. And then we wove in all of those lessons through the dialogue, through the mentor character, kind of like the, the Yoda guy, which would, you know, it's like the, everybody has to have that, that, that character. And, um, and that, that was Dr. Libertas, which uh, shout out to Libertas Press. That's the guy, the author of uh, Tuttle Twins is, uh, I'm now I'm forgetting his name, but we had him on the podcast. And, um, and so it was awesome. And I think, you know, all of the things that, that we did, like we did a, an extra workbook for the parents to do it along with the kid, uh, with, the, with the child. And I, I had fun doing the Mad Libs, the, the crossword puzzles, the word search, 
and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. And then Adrian had an awesome idea that blows my stuff away. My stuff is just like, you know, stuff for a, a road trip that you could do. <laughs> but his is like the, the challenge checklist that you basically, you know, you, 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 you kind of check these off and you, you know, like this week you're going to meet three new people that, that you don't, you never, you've seen them, but you've never gotten their names. This, you know, you're going to do this. And that to me, now that's taking knowledge into practice, like an application. Um, and so obviously uh, I love being a dad, you know, I'm, I don't pretend to know everything, but like we, we were passionate about it. And I don't know if you know this, but, Maura and I contributed yep. a, a chapter to Ben Greenfield's yes. new book that's um, coming out. It's called Boundless Parenting. And we talk a lot about one of the things that Ben was like when we were having the conversation, like getting ready, prepping for the thing he would, he was sending me like, these are the things that I'm thinking about. And we were talking about rites of passage. And like that, that is a perfect example of something that again, was always done, you know, in, 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 the older times, like even, even, even in our modern society, Western world, we have rites of, rites of passage that as we get more and more away from it, it's, we're losing that. And so, you know, you have to, in my opinion, this is my opinion, you know, and I only know boys and that's where I'm, where my knowledge is. And, and thank God, cause I guess I'm not, maybe I wasn't meant to have girls, but you know, I'm good because I get, I get boys. I, I, I speak that language. You have to start in manageable things, you know, like, and then as the time continues, you got to continue to, to, to challenge them a little bit more. So, you know, Desmond shot his first guns when he was nine. You know, he, he, he took jujitsu for like four years. Um, he, you know, I took him on a hike once and, you know, when he was like six or seven, he started his first business when he was six um took him on his first like pretty grueling hike when he was seven and you know all of these things are building up and as we get older they will get more challenging because at some point um i have to be able to say and i'll know when that is um in fact i'll probably plan when that is like it'll be some thing where we go for you know a week camping and i'm like all right this is what you're gonna do like you're alone, you're on your own for the next day or two or whatever. Um, I'll figure it out by the time I get there. You know, there's so many, nowadays there's so many ideas. So that's really cool. Um, because at some point I have to say, Hey, you're a man now, man, you're a man. I'm proud of you. You're, you're ready. And like, if you don't do that, and this is from wild at heart, fantastic book that I read before I even had kids. Um, you know, it, it creates that false self, you know, it, you know, you're, you may be the workaholic, you may be the wimp, you may be the bully, you may be the womanizer. And these are all things that aren't true, like the true epitome of masculinity, which is like, it's a lot, you know. And, and then on the other hand, if you do the whole participant trophy, you know, participant trophy, you know, approach where it's like, you're a man, son, and you didn't do crap. There's no way you're not going to, you're not going to believe it. It's like, Oh, I'm, I win an award just because my balls dropped, you know, like, and I got some hair, like that's, that's not how it works. You know, it's all, it's all, you know, based on your actions and, and, um, and we have to do that because, the modern world is not preparing us for life. None of us were really 
prepared by the system um, for life. So we have to find ways of like, how are we going to build, build in those things? And a lot of the time they cross over. Physical is always going to be the best way to me because if you can do something hard physical, you, you, you can, you tend to be able to do other stuff. Because just because it's, it's, it's an ongoing yes. thing is managing emotions and, and uh, in a healthy way because I, for most of my life, didn't feel emotions and I, and I, you know, how to be a man and how to be a man, which technically I, I, I you know, I'll generalize because I do believe it. Like we tend to not address certain things, especially emotionally and also how to be a man and not be completely clueless about, about what it is, what it means to be a leader in your home, a father, a husband, because I think we're just not mindful. And for me, my biggest thing is, is like, and this is from me personally, so I'm just, if I do my job as a husband or, or a father, and, and I'm putting in effort, but I got the assignment wrong. I don't deserve any credit because the bottom line is the assignment was wrong. So like, how do we just be more mindful of what it means to do all that? So if you want to talk about that, cause I'm, I'm, that's what I'm really trying right now at 41 to learn about. Like, and it's what I focus, what I'm focusing on every morning um, in my reading and stuff. So yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot, man. And I think about how we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, how diet affects your mental health. It affects your physical health. The sort of, you know, the way our food has been re reduced down. You talked about how we're not the same humans we were before, even not the lack of eating organ meats and meat in general. It all combines to the, the social media. I mean, I know we're using it here now. I hate it. Like I've grown to hate it, but like, I'm like, if I don't stay on it somehow, I'm gonna, no one's gonna see my stuff. I got people that reach out. To, I've been also like shadow banned a lot because I, you know, I, once you get on the radar, you're screwed. Like I, the other day, like I had, I wasn't able to, to do uh, collab reels with my sponsors and I wasn't able to go live. I just got off of that, but it was like, now they're, they're bringing up comments that I made in 2020 and they're comments not even posts. And then one of them was a story. So I, I do hate it, but like we need it. And if we want to, the alternative is allowing, you know, everything else that currently has the biggest voice to continue. And you have to have that, that alternative voice to get people to think about things a different way. So um, one of the guests logged in and asked one question I thought maybe you could help with. It was Frank's carnivore. He said, any tips or advice for a current binge eater that keeps falling off the wagon? Oh man. Yeah, I, I've, I've done that. Uh, I've had it. I definitely have issues with binging for sure, like uh, over the years, because when I um, wanted to put on weight in high school and in um, mostly in high school, uh, I would eat as much, mm -hmm. much as possible, as quickly as possible so that I wouldn't get full. And like, that's a big job to, to eat, to gain weight. Like people don't understand. And I think I messed things up, obviously, because um, even until like four or five years ago is when I really started to notice like, number one, I don't have to finish everything on the plate. That's true. Like I, I feel like terrible right now. Why am I continuing? But it was like, you know, my mom always told me finish what's on your plate. You know, she, she never wanted to waste anything. Um, so 
one thing that I have found helpful, and it sounds woo-woo, but I really do think it, it, it is something the start would be like, look at what mindful eating is. And, um, and so like mindful eating, just to give you like a Cliff's notes is, it has no bearing on whether or not you're going to eat right now. It, it's not, this process is, you're not using this to say, am I allowed to eat or not? You know, am I, should I eat more or not? It's really just like anything else, stopping to really try to pinpoint why I think I need to eat. And so like, you know, most people that have any type of eating issues, there's like underlying things. And the first step is to see like, why is it? Okay, there's, there's all types of cues that, that we get when it's time to eat. Sometimes it's a smell. Oh, that smells like I'm just going to go. I smell that thing and I love that thing. I'm going to eat that. Sometimes it's like people, places, and things. Like, you know, you hang out with certain people. All, all you do is eat together. You have, um, you know, you go home, your, your, your grandma's pie. You're going to eat her, your grandma's pie. You know, sometimes it's just because it's lunchtime. You know, you think you got to eat lunch because it's lunchtime. And, um, and so, like, all of those things, if you're able to train those things, you're able to see, well, man, I've, these last several times, I can honestly say I had nothing to do with hunger. And I'm not the, I am definitely not the person who says, like, food is fuel. Because, yes, it is fuel, but I love food, you know, like I do. Um, so, like, the first step is really just trying to figure out why you're eating. The second step, and this was a, this continues to be one for me that, like, I, I, I remember, I kind of, sometimes I forget to be mindful while I'm eating, which is, like, the whole, Maura says, like, you know, like, you black out and then, um, you know, then like all of a sudden you come to and you're like, what, what did I miss? You know, like all of a sudden, like everything's gone, you know, <laughs> in the wake of it, you're like, what, what did I miss? You know? And, and so like, first part is being mindful, like before, second part, be mindful of um, while you're eating. And I'll give you two reasons. I'll give you a reason why you need to do it. So, well, first I'll tell you how to do that. So this is going to be for a binge eater, a really hard one to accept but I'm going to put it in your head. You're not going to be able to unhear it. And that is if you were to put your, your satiety, like how full and satisfied you feel on a scale of one to 10, the goal is not 10. The goal is not even seven. The goal is really five because there's lots of reasons. Uh, now, assuming that your hormones are healthy, like if you're eating carnivore and you, you, you've started to develop a much more um, reliable um, hunger and satiety cues, um, and so your you know your leptins, you know, getting healthier and and your um, uh, just in general, you're not you're you're not the same person. You're not compulsively eating. You're eating because you're hungry. So like you you start to when you when you go to ten, it it really is um, over time damaging. Number one. Unfortunately, because um, one of the ways that we get leptin resistance is eating meals that are too large. And this is why I've, Maura and I both have been really more, not with the intermittent fasting. Like I'm, I'm you know, I, 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 if you're gonna, I do it a few times a week. Today's a typical example, actually. Yeah, because I, I had 
a pound of meat at like 7.30 and I haven't had anything ever since. And I'm, I'm probably not going to have anything until like five. So, so I guess kind of, but like, I think people get so obsessed with like one thing, like, you know, I need to do a 16 minimum 16 hour window or, you know, and in reality, again, going back to like, you know, you need to be in line with your biology and in line with nature. So, so if you're, if you like, if you're just like intermittent fasting and you're, um, you have a, something that you really need to manage, like, like, you know, autoimmune or, or some sort of like metabolic stuff, like you want to get your, your, your insulin check, like, then I would say maybe like, uh, like an 8am to like, you know, three or 4 p.m. Um, so, so basically what would that be? Like, uh, eight to 12 is four. 12 to 4, yeah, so that's 16, 8. Like, like if you want to do a 16, 8 window, then, like, 8 to 4 would be good. I think that's good because it's, like, no matter where you are, you're right around, sun, like, a little bit after sunrise, and for sure you're, you're, you're stopping before sunset. And one thing that I will definitely – two things, actually. If you're doing the intermittent fasting thing that you start at 12 um, and then you end at 8, keep in mind that if you're waking up at 6 a.m., the best time for actually burning body fat because the fat that your body is burning during the day is not your body fat. It's always going to be pretty much what you're eating unless you have like a, a long fast that you've been fasting for several days. Most of that fat that you're burning is, is from food that you're eating. But the prime time for body fat burning, actual body fat, is 9 to 12 hours after your last meal. So if you stop eating at 6 p.m., and you wake up at 6 a.m., that means from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., you're getting prime time body fat burning time. And if you finish at 8 or 9 p.m., even 8 p.m., you're, you're only getting one hour, you know, because the bottom line is you got to wake up that next day. You know what I mean? So um, the first nine hours is like your body's running through that whole pro list of processes that it's got to do. But on average, 9 to 12 hours is the best body fat burning time. Um, if you're trying to build muscle, which uh, another thing that we're trying to get people to do, like shout out to Dr. Lyon because we love her and we, we like hit it off. Like we met in, in KetoCon, like we were just instantly um, exchanged numbers. We went out to eat together and like, like maybe you should take a break of about like take a break from from focusing on burning fat and just try to put on some muscle and then tr and then start to see how wow all of a sudden you start to get really lean um and so you know why are you fasting that's the first one like if you want to build muscle which i would argue that unless you're morbidly obese you know if you got 30 even 30 40 pounds to lose you should be trying to put on muscle you know 50 pounds maybe even. um and if you if you're doing that, wouldn't you want to do stop focusing on like eating one or two meals a day and get three chances, give your body three chances with three solid meals to have that really good protein synthesis to, to, to hit that leucine threshold with like a minimum of like 30 grams of, of protein. Um, so I'm a big fan of breakfast, lunch and dinner. I've been doing that now for like on and off for like a year and a half, but now consistently for like the past six, six seven months. Um, so yeah, like early eating window, and even then, do you really need to intermittent fast every day? You're gonna get, um, you know, uh, autophagy from from working out, 
You're going to get autophagy from all types of stuff. Um, yeah. Being yeah. that we've talked about your hunting, your, your organ meats, what is Danny Vega's favorite cut of animal protein to eat, and how do you like to eat it? Oh, man. Um, ribeye and chuck eye got to be my favorite, yep. and I just like walking by the grill. You know, just like, <laughs> just make sure they're just walking by, you know. No, like in reality, like I do like to, I love to have like a nice char on the outside. So like, um, if I'm just using my cast iron skillet, I literally just take it from, if I was lazy and I didn't defrost it, then it'll be a little bit longer. I'll probably like use my, my burger press and press it down for like a minute and, um, and then take it off, but then leave it on that side for like three and a half minutes on one side and then like one and a half to two minutes on the other side and then just take it off and let it rest for like five to oh. 10 minutes and then, you know, eat it. Um, yeah, that's it. real simple. I, but actually, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta take that back because that is the most delicious, yeah. but like literally yeah. what I eat every day is ground beef. Like all I eat all day is ground beef. Like I, at, last night I was serving at church yesterday and you know, they had, um, I was cooking. That's kind of like what I do at church. And they had me like do like um, Philly cheesesteaks. And I was like, man, this looks awesome. I'm like, but I don't want to eat this. I want to make it my way. My way's better. So I went and I got us like, and I made like, I, I made cheese sticks. But basically just, uh, just like um, Milanesa meat, like really sliced. And then I chopped it up and then um, grilled that and threw some cheese on top. And, and we had that. But ground beef, most of the time, man, all I'm doing is ground yep. beef. Like it, it just, it never gets old. Danny, thanks yeah. so much again my friend yep. taking the time this has been a, this this has been an honor and a privilege now Thanks, before we brother. go we've had a couple of questions again can you please number one tell us the name of the book and where folks can go support it and buy it so it's a series the name of the series is unexplainable adventures and this first one in the series is called the power of influence unexplainableadventures.com um i think boundless parenting book com is ben's book if they want to if they want to do like our podcast is there our are um, my consults and coaching uh, for one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and individual consults. If they want to do group coaching, that's fatfieldphysique.com. Maura just um, launched her, her glutes program, Volume 2. We just launched that this weekend, so that's been awesome. Um, and that's at fatfieldmom.com. Just go to fatfieldmom.com. You get the upper, the lower, or the bundle. And we're actually going to put the old glute program because a lot of people – um, we took that website down because we that was called Fat Fuel Physique, and then we turned Fat Fuel Physique into our group coaching. So we're gonna add that on. Um, yeah, pretty much all those. That's those are the places where, and of course on Instagram. Um, I want to wish I want to wish you and Maura the very Thank best you. for this year and continued success, and to you Bye. and the kids. Take care, right, man. All right, brother. Take care. And that's a wrap on this episode of Carnivorous Chats. If you've made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening and also thank you in advance for liking, subscribing, or sharing this episode. Thanks again to the good folks at Carnivore Bar and Equip Foods. Don't forget to check the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products. And also, don't forget you can book me for a 30-minute carnivore coaching session through Avero Health. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Until the next time, be well. <laughs>